Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew here as we bring you Talking in Circles. Tonight we are discussing the Bank of America, Roble 400, from the Charlotte Roble. Chase Elliott was your winner. We'll discuss what it took for him to win that race and all the other storylines from the event at Charlotte, including four drivers being eliminated from playoff contention. We'll discuss that, plus... NASCAR Xfinity Series racing from the Roval as well. We'll look, take a look back at that race and preview the Xfinity and Cup Series events from Kansas this weekend. 917-889-8280. Plus, we'll also give, get Phillips' take on what he thinks about Matt Benedetto staying in the number 21 car for the 2021 season and Clint Boyer's retirement. We'll get all that and more tonight on Talking in Circles. Again, if you want to join the number is 917-889-8280 here tonight. Clayton Caldwell and Philip Matthew here with you on Talking in Circles. Let's start breaking it down. The Make of America Roval 400. It was a race won by Chase Elliott in his fourth consecutive win on a road course event. A very impressive win for the number nine car. And Philip, obviously it hasn't been uh, as great of a year as Chase Elliott would have liked. I uh, got off to a much better start in the beginning of the year but sort of faded off here a little bit in the back end of the year. But the Robles have, the road course races have really helped him, winning at the Daytona road course, and then, of course, at the Charlotte road course here, advanced him into the round of eight. And if you believe in momentum, he's got momentum right now, Philip. What, what was your take on the uh, Charlotte road course event from the Charlotte Roble? Yeah, Clay, you, need, you got – Clyde, he's running really well right now, and he's been running consistent. They're not as good as where they were at the start of the year, as you said. But, I mean, now with the way he runs on road courses, he's become like Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart, where it's almost like, well, you know he's going to win. In the last two years of this race, he's fallen tailback, and then he's come back up the field like it was nothing. Uh, you know, it's he wrecked himself last year. This year, the mixed conditions. You know, I think Quinn Boyer, of course, we're going to talk about him later, but he was one of the only guys that had a decent car, uh, lost the power steering. They got into it with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch had a good car, of course. That incident with the two of them probably was part of what ended both of them. But, I mean, you have to give credit to that, to Clyde. Who, who would have thought? You know, the son of Bill Elliott, Bill Elliott won his first career race on a road course, and he never, I don't think, sniffed a road course win after that the rest of his career for all the years he was in the Cup Series. But but Chase, ever since he's he's been, these last few years, he's been going and winning every single road course race. And it's, it doesn't matter. Permanent road course, this BS street course kind of thing there with the Roval, in between Daytona, I mean, the only road course that he's driven on his whole career that he hasn't won at is Snoroma, and then you're going to add additional ones next year. Uh, but in terms of, you know, this race and putting himself in position uh, in the next round, when you consider he's won at Kansas before, he's also won at, or he's run very well at Phoenix, or not Phoenix, I mean, Martinsville, and he's on Royal Phoenix, so, I mean, it, under that notion, he's put himself in a place right now where, uh, points-wise, he's got a little bit of an advantage on Logano and Truex. 
if he can go and, and maintain and run three relatively clean races, run up there, get stage points, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that the nine car goes and makes it to the final four here uh, this year at uh, Phoenix. Yeah, there's no doubt there's some good tracks for him up there. Martinsville's one of them. You know, he almost won this Martinsville race a few years ago. Who could forget the fa- the finish there with Denny Hamlin uh, when that happened? But, yeah, it was an interesting event. You know, it started off on rain tires, and that was the first time we see NASCAR Cup Series event uh, on rain tires in, in modern-day history. I mean, it was insane to go out there and watch him run. But um, once it dried up a little bit, it, it got to be an interesting race. It was added a little bit more to the race, a little bit more of a compelling storyline there uh, with with the rain tires. But, you know, Chase was no doubt the fastest car all day. He also saw his teammate William Byron have a very good day. He led 27 laps. And I'll give you the top ten as there's a good couple of good storylines in the top ten. Joey Logano was second. Then it was Eric Jones who had a really good day uh, in third. Kurt Busch fourth and Ryan Blaney in fifth. And mentioned William Byron in sixth. Mark Trex Jr., Alex Bowman, Cole Custer, uh, a solid run for that rookie. And Clint Boyer in tenth. And a couple of storylines there. Of course, I mentioned William Byron who had a really good day. Uh, Hendrick seems to have really good cars on these on these road courses. I thought Eric Jones had a really nice day. And who can not comment on Clint Boyer's top ten run? Uh, was a solid top ten car for most of the day. Lost his power steering towards the end of the race. And the fact that he was able to drive up and finish in the top ten is a really solid day for a guy who had a tough week. You know, no doubt he, um, I'm sure, wanted to retire. But still, it, there's it's got to be a tough decision to come to that, to that decision and announce it. Uh, and he announced it a couple of days before the road course event here at Charlotte. So for him to go out and put on a, a performance like he did without power steering with these cars, with all the mechanisms that they have now, power steering without losing power steering is a lot harder than it used to be. For him to go out and finish in the top 10, uh, a very solid day for Clint Boyer. But, you know, his teammate Cole Custer had a really good day. I mentioned um, William Byron and, of course, Eric Jones in third. Some solid runs there in the top 10, Philip, for some of these guys. I think you're. We've lost, you know, a little bit of connection there with Philip, but uh, a no, solid I'm here. Day. I'm here. I for, I, I uh, was on mute. No, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was saying, like, we'll talk about Clint Boyer in a little bit, but uh, in terms of, you know, the Cole Custer, I don't think he's been an elite road racer, but he's had his moments. Of course, John Hunter sent him into, sent him into the the St. Lawrence River at, at and when they raced at the. Uh, at uh, Mossport the one year and you know there's but other than that you don't think a Cole Custer is a road racer for him to get a top 10 and you think about Harvick was just outside so you look at the Stuart Haas cars 9, 10th and 11th I mean of course Boyer needed a lot more than that and uh, you know the, the 10 car needed a lot more than that but he was nowhere the whole day uh, Boyer was up there, and you have to give credit to Stuart Haas. They're making games on the road course program uh, compared to where they were earlier this year and over the last few years. It's really been Hendrick and Gibbs that have uh, been the dominant forces, which when you look at this lineup, and then you can also add Penske to that, and, and that's where you see most of these the guys that are up there. Uh, are represented. So Stuart Haas is making gains, and it's a big thing considering how many road courses they're going to have next year. Eric Jones, ever since he got eliminated from the playoff, uh, you know, at Daytona, 
has driven like the kind of guy that lots of people have thought of Eric Jones, the kind of talent. And I saw something, uh, there was a tweet or something out there. It's like of all the rookies or people who've been in that have come in all these, all these years, how many guys have won in their first how three races in the first hundred races of their cup career. And he's one of three and it's the other two are Joey Logano and uh, or or it's, it was like Ryan Blaney and Brad Keselowski. Those are the only other two guys in like the last like 10, 12 years that have been a rookie or something and have won in their first hundred races through like X amount of races in the first hundred in the cup series. And it's a shame that, that Eric Jones may not have a job next year and he got run by Gibbs the way he did, but uh, the way he's been running these last few weeks, he, he's proven that he deserves a shot and, and an opportunity. And I said it a while back that if Hendrick knew it was good for them, they'd have put him in the 48 car. They've already decided they're going to basically just rebadge Alex Bowman's car to the 48 car. And I think we know who's going to the other car, though his buddy going and retiring uh, a couple days ago may have made given him another option. But uh, I think Eric Jones has just been a standout. I mean, he's been running so well that if they were actually running for regular points, I'm pretty sure that Eric Jones would be running. He's 17th because they do the reset. But if they actually had just straight-up regular points, I'm curious to see how far off he really would be uh, in the point standings. And he'd probably be flirting with inside the top 15 right now. It's a shame that it took – them getting eliminated before uh, all that came out, came about, though. Yeah, and I actually have it on, on Racing Reference. They do a good job. They're providing uh, non-playoff standing points. And that right now, Eric Jones would be 15th in the standing. So you're right, you're 100% right, where you say he would be uh, up there, you know, of course, ahead of Cole Custer, Jimmy Johnson, Austin, Dillon, all those guys as well. So, yeah, listen, he's, he's really picked it up. And, and this is kind of, you know, it's kind of funny. I've, I've been saying this about Eric Jones his entire career uh, at, at Joe Gibbs racing, you know, I've been waiting for Eric Jones to have a five or six race stretch of running really, really strong. Well, you know, he finally does that where it just seemed like early in his Joe Gibbs racing career, he'd have, you know, even before all this, he'd have five or six, three or four races where he'd be pretty good, but then he'd have two, you know, followed up with two real stinkers. Um, And, you know, last four races, he's he's been really, really solid. Third at Bristol, eighth at Las Vegas, second at Talladega, and as you mentioned, the third place run here at the Roval. And before that, it was 22nd at Richmond, but a fourth at Darlington. So he's really picked it up here the last four or five races, and I think he can finish this strong. And I think there's some pride in that for this team and, and him and Chris Gale, who aren't going to be around there next year, uh, finishing strong and showing people, hey, you know what? We might not have had the consistency to keep us in that ride, but we're capable of it. Just give us the good equipment and give us what we need. Uh, 917-889-8280, that's the number of call here tonight at Talking Circles. Uh, four drivers were eliminated, Philip, from the event, and really all four of them had to come in uh, with a basically a winner-go-home. Uh, they came in with a winner-go-home mentality uh, because they were so far back on points. But Kyle Busch could have pointed his way in, but he wasn't able to do that. But the four drivers who were eliminated was Kyle Busch, Clint Boyer, Austin Dillon, and Eric Amarola. Kyle Busch becomes the first reigning champion to not advance into the round of eight in that in this 
format, which we've been doing the last five or six years here. Uh, you know, and then you have Boyer, Dylan, and Eric Amarola. Obviously, it's not too big of a surprise there, Philip, because we knew, like I said, these all four of these guys sort of came in with a winner go home mentality. Amarola, Boyer, and Bush have not won a race this year, so it wasn't that big of a surprise. But you know, Kyle has had a tough year here, and I think there's going to be some changes in this 18 car. We know the 14's not coming back. The driver of the 14's not coming back. You know, and Eric. Austin Dillon's really, I think, overachieved this year. That win he had earlier in the year was was really impressive. But um, you know that three cars showed some speed throughout the year, um, and then Eric Amarola, who had the consistency, but just never really was able to pull some wins together and get the playoff points that he was able to accumulate. But of those four guys, I mean, obviously Kyle's probably going to go going to be your answer. But of those four, uh, who was who are you most surprised about in advance to the round of eight? I mean, it's it starts and ends with the 18 car. You know, they talk about him. He's the defending cup champion. He's a two-time series champion with 50-plus cup wins and over 200 wins in the top three series. And this year he looked ordinary for the first time. Um, every great champion in this sport has had years like this. Dale Earnhardt had a year like this in 1992. Um, Tony Stewart had years like this in his career. And basically the back end of his career was – a wash from basically the middle of 2012 to the end of his career. Jeff Gordon had years where he didn't even win a race. You know, Johnson hasn't won a race and, and is not going to end up winning, probably more than likely not going to win a race in these next four races. So he's going to go over two years plus or whatever, two and a half years, last two and a half years of his career without a win. Um, the the fact that, that Kyle Busch did not, win a race up to this point. He only had a couple of playoff points all year, only won one stage. When you're looking at what Denny Hamlin's been doing all year, you're looking at the fact that Truex with a new crew chief, albeit the none knows James Small, and has been there, they've been able to put themselves in a place where they're able to advance and have a chance to get to the final four. Eric Jones is a throwaway. They basically had washed him out. Um, Kyle Busch, Rev Gibbs puts all his energy into that car, and there's a lot of media. And for the defending series champion to not even advance, be the first person to not even get it into the round of eight as a defending series champion, uh, it's as shocking as I think when Tony missed the playoff in 2006 as the defending series champion at Candy Cane. Uh, that, you know, uh, is it's insane to think. And But I, I look at it forward. I look forward to in terms of 2021 and how many of these races are going to be the, you know, with this similar show up one day show, we're going to do the algorithm starting lineup, no practice. And the vast majority of the races are going to be that way. So how does, how does Kyle, how does Kyle Bush, how does Adam Stevens respond and make up for whatever deficit that they have relative to their teammates and to the field so that they can actually be what everybody and his fan base wants them to be, which is one of these, you know, elite-level talents. He had he had moments yesterday. He took the lead, but it didn't last long. Um, I mean, that's what it is. It's like Kyle Busch had this air of invincibility going through the first half of last year. And then somewhere along the line, it went away. And it somewhere around the summer of last year, and he hasn't had anything 
for a long time uh, in a cup car. And it's crazy to think, but, um, I mean, you kind of expected the other guys to go out. You'd have thought maybe one or one or two of them would have been out in the first round. Uh, so it, it's all it starts and ends with Kyle Busch. But hell, he went and said he was going to get eliminated in this round, so he called his own shot. So credit to him. He, if he had put money on himself, he might he might have probably would have gotten a good tur- a good payout on it. Yeah, for sure. And and I wanted to discuss when we're discussing that something that you brought up which is I think find very interesting and I also want to bring it up because it was brought up in the post-race press conference sort of and Kyle got a little bit testy about it and that's what 2021 is going to look like and I'm fascinated you brought that up because Kyle's biggest problem this year has been that we don't have practice and you know they they sort of come to the racetrack a little bit off, and it's hard to gain that without lack, with a lack of track time. And that's not changing next year. In fact, like you alluded to, it's going to happen, I, I believe, in 28 events next year where we're just going to show up pretty much in race. Um, Adam Stevens is crew chief, and, and when Kyle was right, I mean, before Adam Stevens got there, Kyle Busch had no championships. In, in the Cup Series, you know, and he was a, a great race car driver, but he had yet to close the deal, and it always seemed like when the playoffs came around, Kyle sort of faded. Well, since Adam Stevens got there in 2015, Kyle has won over 30 races and has two championships, but yet here in 2020, he's sitting there ninth in the standings, didn't make the round of eight, and has no wins. Uh I believe they're going to make a crew chief change in that 18 car at the end of the year. I'm not sure that's the right move, but I guess what my question to you is, Philip, what do you think these teams can do? Is it a matter of just changing how the simulations are run with, with that, or is it a matter of changing the crew chiefs, getting new engineers in there? What can these teams do in your mind? Fix this if you're Kyle Busch, where maybe you don't have to change Adam Stevens. What do you think these teams can do to fix it? Because if you're off right now, it's kind of crazy to sit there and think that you're not that you're going to find it without a la- with the lack of track time. Uh, what are your thoughts on on how teams can fix if they're behind right now? Yeah, well, the being behind now, like we for years, we've watched this sport for a long, long time, and people would talk about, oh, we're behind, but there was three days of running. And you'd run on Friday, you'd run on Saturday. They had three, four practices. You have qualifying. You had multiple rounds of qualifying going way back when. Uh, There was was a whole different setup. And if you were off, generally you could find it at some point, but you'd given up enough points where you kind of thrown it away. In this format, you're off. But if you win one race, you could be off, and you only have to show up in September. when it comes to Kyle Busch, I would think if they were to make any crew chief change, it would be a catastrophic mistake. Uh, Adam Stevens is the best thing that's ever happened to Kyle Busch's career because Kyle Busch would have went down the road of his big brother and he probably lost his mind and he would have done some crazy crap and might have gotten himself in some real trouble, uh, you know, and done some questionable things like his teammate in the 11 has done. But 
Adam Stevens, they have this relationship where they could talk to each other and they know he, Adam Stevens understands what Kyle needs. And he also understands, and he also can talk to Kyle in a way to keep him focused and keep him right. He's the best thing that's ever happened to Kyle because if Kyle didn't have Adam Stevens, he'd have zero cup championships right now. He wouldn't have 50-plus cup wins. He'd have a lot of cup wins, and he'd probably be flirting with the Hall of Fame anyway. But now, guaranteed Hall of Fame, whatever. You need, it's, a sim, it's a sim thing. I don't think Toyota's as far off as they, it seems, when you consider Danny Hamlin's winning. Uh, it's, I think uh, Truex has an excuse because he has a new crew chief. Um, you know, I, I look at it the way we talked about last year, earlier this year, whenever it was, when we were talking about, oh, you know, changing crew chiefs with, with uh, Penske. And I was like, there's no way that they're going to change Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf. They've been together forever, and they've been such a great combination. Well, they did it. And Logano's been all right this year, and so is Keselowski. My question would be, like, who would they put with Kyle Busch? You know, are they going to put Chris Gale with Kyle Busch? Are they going to put whoever the heck, I guess, um, uh, Radcliffe again? Or, or I mean, like, who – who who would you put with Kyle Busch? Like I don't get what that how that would work. Number two, I think you have to do better simulation, more time with with gaming, maybe you know doing i racing while you spend more time in sims because they have these big expensive sims for the driver and also for the teams doing a, it's because in a lot of ways cup racing has become like Formula One, and I know you hate that. Clayton, but it's this is yet another example of that, where it's more about the engineers and it's more an engineering science than it is about actually showing up and seat of the pants racing, though there is an aspect of that still. It's not as much as it was 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30. Um, I feel like they'll, this has just been an off year. For Kyle Busch, I was saying for months that he was going to find it and he was going to pull it out of his butt and come out and do something. Didn't happen. Okay, reset. You know the last four races are basically for R&D purposes, so start doing R&D. Figure out some things. Go and take some chances. If you go and crap the bed, nobody cares. They're not going to give him any attention anyway. You might as well R&D it. Um, mess around with your pit crew. Go and mess around with setups. Do just do different things. It doesn't matter now, you know. Um, and 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 be ready for the Daytona 500. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And go out there and win the Daytona 500. The Daytona 500 cures all ills in the sense that you could win that race, you could suck for the rest of the year, and you could get to the playoff. Go out there and make a great super speedway car and go and win the Daytona 500 and make a bunch of people happy and make a lot of people mad like me. But in the end, you'd have, you'd have that crown jewel event. And, and all of a sudden people will be talking about how great Kyle Busch is again and, and, and maximize the number of races he's driving in other vehicles, uh, whether it's Xfinity truck or outside of that run K&N who cares Run K&N run Arca, you know, like do what Ken Schrader used to do. And, and maybe then he'll, because he'll get seat time, he'll get practice. That might be what mm-hmm. it is. He has to drive an ARCA car to go and, and, and maybe get the mojo back. Yeah, listen, it's just been an unbelievable year considering 
that he had five wins last year, led over a thousand laps last, uh, led over a thousand laps, fifteen hundred laps last year, and this year, you know, he's led four hundred seventeen laps, which is the lowest. And I know there's four, still four races out there, but the lowest since his rookie year. So it's just been a, uh, a an off year for him. So, you know, I think you're right in a way. It's probably an off year, but it's just going to be interesting to me how if you know how you're going to find it this year with no testing and no you know practice how you're going to find what you're missing um so we'll see we'll see how that all plays out uh something that happened last week and we haven't gotten your opinion on it yet and I want to get your opinion on it I know I did a show on it when it was announced uh, a couple of, of silly season news here in the cup series before we go back and look at the Xfinity series race um but Matt Benedetto it was announced, so he will stay in the number 21 car for the 2021 season, um, but then he will be out of the car in 2022, and Austin Sindrick will run that car full-time in 2022. There's no question, Philip, that Matt Benedetto is a guy who a lot of people have a strong feeling on. He's very popular on Reddit. He has run good at times, but I said this on my show last week, and I kind of want to get your take on it. To me, 2021 is a huge year for Matthew Benedetto. It's his second year at at the Wood Brothers. He needs to prove that he can run up front and contend for wins. He has yet to prove that on a consistent basis. And there's no doubt he gets the first year Blues out of the way this year with the Wood Brothers, but that's not the case next year. And he sort of got thrown a, a wrench this year with COVID and being in his first year in that car. But next year, there's no excuses. And to me, if Matt DiBenedetto wants to be a consistent racer and a consistent winner on the Cup Series schedule, it starts in 2021. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's all, I mean, that he already knows that, he's already has to look at 2022 because he knows he doesn't have a job after Phoenix, uh, November next year. He already knows Austin Sendrick's going to take his ride. He also knows that Austin Sendrick's going to be in a second car. So they'll be, I don't know, they haven't figured out what the sponsorship or any of that stuff's going on. Um, it basically means Ford is going to continue in the Xfinity series then, which in turn is a trickle down. There might be a Stuart Haas car, uh, out there, that's something to look at, and who may be driving that Stuart Oscar? Um, and I saw who it may be, and it made me want to puke. But um, in terms of Matthew Benedetto, GTL, as I like, one of my many nicknames for uh, Matthew Benedetto, uh, he had his he he had his moments early in the year, went away. They made the playoff, but they were nowhere. Uh, found something here last couple of weeks, few weeks. They, you'll be able to run out this next four four races, and it's yet another example. If you're not in the final eight, you need to start looking at preparing for 2021 right now. Don't even mess around. Don't act like winning. I mean, you may have a chance to win. Go run fuel mileage. Go and take a two-tire call at at Kansas or, or Texas. That's a possibility. Obviously, Austin Dillon worked that to perfection um, earlier in, in the summer. But but you, you, you 
look at as what the what you have to do for D. Benedetto. He needs to come out like a bat out of hell early in the year, get some momentum, get that first career cup win. And then in turn, that would give him, you know, something to bank to go and take to a, a prospective team. You know, you would assume that it's going to be a, a drop down. Uh, I have a hard time believing uh, that he would be staying at that level. Uh, the rumors and thoughts are he might get hired by Penske. I don't really see it. Uh, he doesn't really fit that Penske mold. Uh, but who knows? Maybe he'll he'll shave everything off. He'll shave his eyebrows. He'll look like Mr. Clean just to go and drive for Penske. That's entirely possible. But uh, if if Brad leaves or something like that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things with the new car, um, with some of the teams that have been announced, and with the way charters are thrown around, like underwear. There might be an opportunity for D Burrito to to have something in 22, but he needs to show, like you're saying, he has to prove it. As much as every all these people like him and he's loved on Reddit and all this stuff and people are, are freaking out that he's going to lose his ride to Austin Cindric, which he is anyway, um, you know, he's getting a reprieve because they didn't have, really have a, a set option or they didn't have everything set up properly at the Wood Brothers to, to go and this Penske conglomeration to go and put Austin Cindric in a cup car next year, which I think is also the issue for Chase Briscoe that he's running into. But now you've also added another aspect to it uh, with him. So, uh, you know, we will see. I, I, I'm curious to see what Matthew Benedetto will do. It'll be the first time he's ever been in a car that's somewhat legitimate for two years. Um, so maybe he goes and takes off. Maybe he goes and has a career year. Yeah, and I personally think he has to because, again, there's a lot of young drivers coming up um, that I look at and say they have an opportunity to to do really well. And, you know, I look at a ride, and I mentioned this on my show, Ryan Newman's in a contract year next year. Um, that six car could be a possibility for him. So there's going to be a few rides open for Matthew Benedetto, and to me – he has to go out and prove that he can run up front. If he does that, teams aren't can't ignore him. They just can't. Like Chase Briscoe's done this year in Xfinity. Teams have not now looking at it. This Cup Series team, Stewart House Racing, can't ignore him because we're all sitting there going, get this kid in a Cup car. And that kind of leads me to my next point here, Philip, and that's Clint Boyer. And he announces his retirement, going to be in a Fox Sports booth here for 2021. That leaves a major ride open. I talked about this on my show again. You know, and it's interesting because Kyle Larson apparently hasn't ad, asked yet for his reinstatement into NASCAR. We all assume he's going to go to the 48, at least that's the rumors, excuse me, the 88 now with um, Hendrick Motorsports. So the natural kind of fit for that 14 car that we're all thinking of is Chase Briscoe. But you mentioned earlier Eric Jones is a possibility. But what are your thoughts on Clint Boyer retiring, his legacy, and who do you think is going to go to that 14 car here in 2021? I mean, Clint Boyer, people love him because he's goofy and he's, you know, a good old Clint from Kansas, and he's a, you know, he screams a lot and 
and Max a fool and basically got old Jeffy to open up because Jeff Gordon can't announce for his life. But when you put a guy as squawking, you put a you put a rooster out there, which is that's basically what Clint Boyer is in a booth. And, and it's like you go and stare at the the whack job in the corner. That's what it is. They found it. They found the carnival barker that they needed that they replaced Durwood with. They they got one. So, and it all makes sense. They all connect to Daryl or Hendrick or something. Everything has to connect to them. But in terms of Clint Boyer, uh, retiring, I think he knew that his time was up. Uh, the last couple of years in this car have not been productive. Uh, this year and last year, for the most part, three of the four years he's been in this 14 car have not been great. To be completely honest about Clint Boyer, and it'll probably offend some that do listen to this show, he hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot to justify his existence in the Cup Series since 2013. Um, And that's partly due to Michael Waltrip being the douchebag that he is and basically napalming his organization. Um, then getting stuck in bad rides that he didn't want to drive in and kind of mailing it in. Then getting in the 14 car that Tony basically parked for him, gave him a good crew chief, gave him a good team. Didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. Uh, they're, you're supposed to be able to compete with Kevin Harvick. I mean, granted, Kevin Harvick's the first ballot Hall of Famer and, and a legitimate uh, elite talent. And but he drove with Kevin Harvick and he was able to rel- compete with him relatively at um, RCR, um, not to the same level even back then. But he was still at least somewhat good, and he finished third in points. He finished second in points. He did his thing. He was out there. He won races. He's a good guy. I think in the end, the Fox booth, uh, they have a bunch of morons in the pit on um, pit road outside of Matt Yoakum. Um, but they they have a booth that, you know, Mike Joy is going to be able to wake up. He's going to have to be awake. Um, the Squire senility won't work. Um, he's going to have to keep keep uh, Clint Boyer in check, and uh, that'll be fun, considering how bad NBC's booth has been all year. NBC's coverage of racing in general has not been good. Um, they're making Fox actually seem good, which tells you how bad NBC has been. Um, so looking to see what uh, old Clint's going to be doing. Kurt's going to be doing a lot of announcing too um, as an angle towards whatever the next steps in his career are. I would figure Jim and Jimmy Johnson are going to do some stuff together now that they're both employed by Ganassi. But um, credit to Clint, he gets to walk off uh, in a sense on his own merit instead of, you know, driving a car, a lower-tier car, or, you know, like not, you know, going out driving a really piece of big piece of crap like he drove for H. Scott Motorsports. But to get back to who's going to drive the car, I know I went off on a tangent there, and I apologize. Um, the There's really two options. Uh, I've been out there. My own bias, of course, kicked in with uh, Chase Briscoe, uh, his heroes, Tony Stewart. He drives for Tony Stewart. He's won eight races and probably could have 11 or 12 right now. He's in contention to win this Xfinity Series championship. They're already using the sponsors that Chase has on his car 
in the Cup Series. He's proven to be able to stand with Cole Custer last year, not not every week, but at times. And Cole Custer's sitting there in a Cup car, and he's getting his top tens and doing whatever. Uh, the the choice that makes sense, the choice that is the cost effective and has sponsorship and he actually wants to be there is Chase Briscoe. It makes all the sense in the world. Um, will Tony do that? I have no idea. Um, I, I have this fear, um, and sorry to dispenser as a fan of his, of uh, this driver, but I fear that they that he'll go and say, I'll put Kyle Larson in the car and I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay out of pocket, which Hendrick can do. He doesn't pay taxes anyways. He can go and do that. Um, but I feel like Kyle Larson's in play here. And that's where this thing keeping on going, the longer this goes, the more I feel like that's where this is going to go. And then Chase Briscoe is going to either be stuck in Xfinity for another year or he's going to get put in a really big pile of, in a tub of crap in the cup series to draw to run 28th every week, which would be complete, would be complete garbage considering what he's done this year um, in the Xfinity series. It's offensive. Uh, I would rather he drive, he drive in the, in the Michelin pilot challenge, driving a Ford Mustang in GT4 than, than run the car that people are saying he would run. Uh, because that car is a pile of crap. I mean, Corey LaJoy doesn't even want to drive that car, and he has no op. He doesn't even have a job. That tells you how bad that team is. If you're if you're gonna say that that's where he's gonna go, I it's. I mean, Kyle Larson can drive that car. It's fine. Go and give him Stuart Haas equipment. They can run all the crappy sponsors they want to run on there. Let him go run that car. That that would be fine. Nobody would care. That's a team that could do it, and it fits his mo. But you know, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I think there's two options at Stewart Haas. Uh, you could even add Eric Jones to the mix. The longer this thing goes, I think Eric Jones comes into play. Um, at the end of the day, I could kind of understand if he goes with Eric Jones. If Tony just went kind of crazy and said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna put Eric Jones in the 14 car." I get it. You steal him from Toyota, and he goes and takes off in the 14 car. You have the guy that's basically going to replace their Kevin Harvick. But to me, it's it, it starts and ends with Chase uh, Briscoe. And if mm-hmm. Tony isn't going to hire somebody who's his basically a protege to him, who's just like him in a lot of lot of positive ways, I don't know. Well, he made this team for that reason. It it just makes sense. I I don't know why it it should be it should take this long outside of money. Yeah, listen, it's going to be an interesting uh, hire for that fourteen. There's no question. Um, I said it on the show yesterday. I really think Briscoe's the guy. I think Briscoe sort of forced their hand here. I think he's a a tremendous race car driver. Ford wants to get him in a good ride. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the thirty two. That's going to be very interesting. I've heard Kaz Growl's name kicked around there. I'm not sure that's entirely uh, 100%, you know, factual, but I've heard the name kicked around. So if he's 
going to be the driver, I would assume Briscoe is going to be in a 14. So, you know, right now where I think it's going to go, I think it's going to be Briscoe at 14. Uh, Kyle Larson in the 88 or whatever number that car is going to be. And, you know, Eric Jones goes to a Chevrolet team, whether it's the 37, 43, somewhere around there. And that's where that goes. So that's what I think right now. But it all can change. I mean, I have no idea as far as anybody else. I have no, no, you know, magic wand where I'm going to see the future here in three or four weeks and figure out who's going to go where. But it's going to be announced here soon, I think. Within, by the end of the season, uh, we're going to have at least a good idea of the 14, the 32, and, and probably uh, Eric Jones is right as well. So uh, I'm not sure about the, the uh, 88, whether or not they're going to wait on that, but we'll see. So it's going to be very interesting. But listen, Boyer, I talked about it again on the show. I don't want to get too crazy in it. Um, but I think, unfortunately, his career is going to be marked with – I mean, that's unfortunate yeah. unfortunate for him. But uh, he was the guy who spun the car out on purpose, and it really changed his career, the projection of his career. He was – Michael Walter Bracing was on a roll there, and that's where it all changed for him. So uh, it's unfortunate, but that's where he's going to go. I think he's going to do a great job on great TV. Point. Hopefully he makes Jeff Gordon uh, a lot more tolerable. <laughs> because right now it's just tough to listen to at times. He's terrible. So yeah, yeah, we'll see where he goes there, um, and TV and how that goes. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight two. That's the number to call here tonight. Drive for the Cure two hundred and fifty NASCAR Xfinity Series race at the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, it was a race that was we sold torrential downpours, and they still ran it. AJ Allmendinger went to victory lane. It was a, a, a very impressive run uh, by Chase Briscoe. Unfortunately, he said what he called a driver error at the end of that race. He spun on the final restart, finished 18th. Um, but A.J. Allmendinger went to victory lane. Noah Gregson second. Daniel Hemrick, impressive run in third. Give Alex LeBay a call, too. And Mario Gosselin, 36, yep. finishing fourth. And uh, Ross Chastain rounding out the top five. I know we discussed it a little bit off here, so about what we thought about this race, but to me it was ridiculous to even run it. I'm sorry, I hate that it was torrential downpour. I don't mind a little drizzle, even rain, and it's damp, and you want to throw rain tires on these cars and say go out there and do it. But to me, when it was visibility was very very low, the, it was pouring out. I just felt like it it was nonsense to go out and run this race in those torrential downpours. And I know there's people. Uh, I think Jerry Jordan, I don't mean to, to point him out, but I know he was very vocal about that. It was, it's an entertainment sport, and it was very entertaining. But there's a, a point to where, you know, you get to ridiculousness. And I'm okay with run if you want to sit there and say, listen, it's stopped raining, it's wet out, let's go run the car with rain tires, or it's drizzling out, we feel like we can, get, we can run it. I'm totally okay with doing that. But when it's, you know, your hydroplaning, visibility is two feet what are we doing at that point? We're just logging laps at that point. To me, it's insane. Um, but what were your what's your take? I know you're a guy, and and I know I'm a guy who comes from a NASCAR background. I'm not into IMSA where they run, you know, rain, and they rain a lot. I don't know. I don't think Formula, I don't know about Formula One. They probably run in the rain a lot too. I don't know about that. But other forms of racing have run in the rain in the past. There's no question. NASCAR has never done it. Um, so what's your take on that, Philip? You're much more of a diverse race fan as far as then compared to me. I didn't care for it, but what, were your, what was your take? Well, I cared for it until Chase chose 
the inside line and drove into a pool, uh, a, a river and spun his car out and finished 18. Um, if he had won the race, I would have been okay with it. Uh, but um, to be completely, completely get rid of that, the fact is it was a cluster from the beginning. NASCAR didn't have a plan. It almost seemed as though they were just like, oh, we'll just go and have a circus sideshow on Saturday. This is a – like, understand that just like yesterday, Saturday's race was a cutoff race. So you were running four cars had a chance if they won or did something crazy to go and get in. And then you have guys like the Ryan Siegs of the world, you know, Chastain, Bruckshot Jones, whatever, that had to, you know, they could have been put in peril. I mean, not as much Bruckshot Jones, but more like Ross Chastain, Ryan Sieg. And, of course, I mean, Brandon Brown had his moments. He was up there. And, I mean, Riley Herbst and, and Noah Gregson got into their their daddy's money, their, um, you know, slap fighting that they do. Um, all these all these people like them and Haley Deegan and all of these people. But, you know, the, you know, Annette, he was up there for a moment. And, of course, Michael Annette did what he always does. But that was just basically, you know, like I said this on my show last week, my other show last week, um, that it was like the Talladega was like monkeys effing footballs. And that's exactly what that race was on Saturday. The, the, The fact is that Roval, for all that science and all the nonsense that Marcus Smith put into making that, it's not a great course. To become, it's not a very good infield road course. Daytona is a simple infield road course, but it does the job. That's the blueprint of what an infield road course is supposed to be, and it has worked for decades. Charlotte's infield road course, they've run into back in the day, they ran the GT cars after the Xfinity race. It wasn't all that compelling, it is still not compelling. They, that's bad enough. Then you add the fact there's no drainage and you have turf in the infield that just holds water. So then if you drive off in the turf, you're going to go and basically sink your car like Brandon Brown did or other people who they spin off and they can't get out of it. It was, it was so, it was dumb. Uh, and, and if I was a, somebody who worked on a lower uh, on a smaller budget team and your car's destroyed like Brandon Brown's team's car's destroyed I'd be livid um it, it it was unnecessary because at the end of the day they could have run the Xfinity race on Sunday morning it wouldn't have hurt anybody really in the grand scheme of things people don't watch Xfinity uh races unless you have a, 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 a somebody in this for me I have somebody in this uh, but and I've been more interested in the Xfinity series obviously this year compared to to the other two series but the, that race was a joke um, Wayne Auten knows is probably the best of the three people they have of their series directors and the fact they ran that race 
and once it got out of control, um, and they never really brought it back under control, to me shows that they just wanted to run it and they were willing to make it look like a circus and, and a cluster. And some of the people they had in that race uh, on on Saturday had no business being within a hundred miles of a of a Xfinity car or any race car. Um, it, it, it was it was really unnecessary, and it was you just destroyed a lot of race cars. Is really what all that was, and I think a lot of these these Xfinity races, road course races, unfortunately, are basically that. They just go and run. They just basically it's a demo derby, and it's funny and it's hilarious, but the budgets aren't there to be going and just demo derbying cars especially when you consider next year, they're probably going to have at least five road course races. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't get it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Credit to AJ Allmendinger. Yeah. I mean, he should be able to win this race. He's driving for one of the better team and him and uh, Matt colleague are good friends. And uh, Matt colleagues, basically the only independent owner that's left. And uh, he's built a he's building a powerhouse, and maybe a gentleman will be a full time driver next year, um, while balancing his IMSA announcing duties and part time IMSA thing. Uh, it was him and Chase had they had a great battle, and um, and uh, AJ Allmendinger is a professional road racer. He was an IndyCar driver. He was uh, had a Formula One you know, deal for like, like there was a path to Formula One for like a second. He decided to take the cash and come to NASCAR because he knew he'd get paid. And he had his moments and he won a cup race. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, one thing I'll say this before I let go. I'm going to let me say this. I'm sorry I did my Kyle Petty. Um, The fact that Austin Sindrick was a non-factor in this race was shocking to me, considering it was a wet race, Penske, all these things, Austin Cindric's experience in the wet and road racing. That was surprising to me. He was a non-factor all day. He did get stage points in stage two, but he gave up points in this race to where you have a reset and he's now 10 points behind Chase in the point standings going to two cookie cutters, which should probably fit just fine for Cindric, but that was the surprise to me um, out of this whole day uh, for uh, the Roval on Saturday. Yeah, that was really surprising. I mean, there's no question the rain added a new element to that race that we haven't seen before in NASCAR, but Cindric's done other road racing in the past. I'm sure he's run in the rain in the past, and the fact that he's never he wasn't even a factor, led no laps, and like you said, got stage points in one stage. The fact that he wasn't even a factor really in the event was the surprise of the day, considering we had a race that was really ridiculous in a lot of ways. The one thing about the rain does too, and something we're going to have to consider, it really lengthens the race by a long shot as far as time is concerned. Um, it slowed the pace down in that race a lot to the point where we put it on CNBC. It was a two-hour and 45-minute Xfinity Series event. 
I mean, that's crazy to complete 68 laps. It took two hours and 45 minutes. I mean, just short of two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, that's yeah, that's a rain lot of too. right in the rain delay invested in that. I mean, still, it it added a lot to that race and it slowed the pace down extremely. Um, but at the end of the day, the fact that Cindric wasn't a factor was to me to me the surprising um, one of of the day. And and you look at the fact that it was an elimination race. You talk about that. Harrison Burton, Brandon Brown, Michael Annette, and Riley Herbst all eliminated from the event uh, for the round of eight. And I think the surprising guy who's still in the championship hunt right now is Ryan Sieg. Uh, but of those four guys who got eliminated, Burton, Brown, uh, Annette, and Herbst, I think when you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, Brandon Brown, you kind of expected him to go this round. He's a nice story, but he's a single-car operation on a small-budget team. You know, you kind of expected him to to, you know, get eliminated in this round. But the other three are with big-time teams, Junior Motorsports for Michael Annette, and then you got Joe Gibbs Racing with Harrison Burton and Riley Herbst. So what were your thoughts on those guys, and who do you think was the biggest surprise to get eliminated here in the round of eight? I mean, biggest surprise is, is Harrison Burton. You're talking about a team that the last two years with Chris Bell, I mean, it's not the same people, of course. It's the same cars and whatever, but that group, the 20 team was the leading winner in the Xfinity series the last two years with Chris Bell. He just never was able to close a deal at Homestead uh, because of, uh, of Tyler Reddick. Burton has shown that he has talent. He has potential. He's shown that his whole career going and driving late models, even in a truck and even in the Xfinity series this year, he's been a guy that, when, you know, if things fall a certain way, he's able to go and come through and win. Uh, he, in a lot of ways, is just like his father, Jeff. Uh, but like last year when he was in the 18 truck and didn't even make the playoffs, getting eliminated in the first round of the playoffs in an elite-level car, I mean, the fact is, Joe Gibbs, it sounds like they're going to go and basically – cut down the number of teams that they're going to have uh, in the Xfinity series from, I mean, they have three full-time cars. I think they're not going to have three full-time cars running for the championship. I think they're going to have three full-time cars with two running for the championship and then one for owners. Maybe they might have one. The way things are going right now, it might, there's a few things in play, of course, with some of these back-end cup teams and whatever, uh, you have to start thinking about what is the end game for for Harrison Burton. He has dad announces and all that, and he has Dex imaging. And but what what is his end game? I know he's a young guy, and the problem with NASCAR today is what have you done for me lately? It's, I mean, and and people get run out the door. Eric Jones got run out the door, and he's won three cup races. He's won two cup races, and he won a in the specialty race. So if you're not even able to make playoffs and last in the playoffs, what the heck's going to happen to you? Chris Bell has not had, he's had a nondescript year this year as a rookie in the cup series. He's definitely been the third best rookie 
uh, of this group, and at times he could be the fourth. So you wonder what's going to happen with Harrison Burton. But um, I, I got to give props to Brandon Brown. That team's a small team. There's a lot of potential going into next year for them to take a step forward, for them to be in a spot to even make it into the second round and be tied in points going into the second round of this playoff with Harrison Burton is something. Yeah, there's no question there, Philip. Um, you know, Brandon Brown's run was impressive. He's a small team, a guy who, like I said, you know, same cooperation. Brandon built motorsports. Nobody's really ever heard of him before they came to the Xfinity Series. For them to come up and really, uh, you know, get themselves into even the playoffs into this round of eight was very impressive. Um, and, and the fact that they're being mentioned in the same sentence as a Joe Gibbs team, two Joe Gibbs teams, and a Michael Annette of Junior Motorsports, that's very impressive. And, and there's no question, I agree with you for their, for that for the record, uh, that Burton is the guy who is the biggest surprise that he is not there. Talladega, he didn't have a great day. Um, he's not a great road course racer, and he had a, a problem with the transmission, and that sort of probably knocked him out. But he wasn't great at Vegas either, a ninth-place run there. So um, that was sort of a surprise to see Burton sort of laying egg here in this round of, of of 12 for the Xfinity Series. But, you know, Michael Annette's a guy who's never really found the championship success in the, in the Xfinity Series. He's got one win in his career, and it was a Daytona. You know, um, he's never really found sustained success in this series, even though he's been with one of the best teams here the last three or four years. He's just Michael Lynette. I don't know what else to say. You know, he brings financial backing to that he's team, and that's money. really it. Right. That's pretty much it, you know, and, and uh, that's really his career in a nutshell. Riley Herbst, sort of the same thing. Um, but Herbst hasn't yep. been around nearly as long as the net, um, and it sounds like Herbst might be moving on from that organization next year. I'm sure you've heard the rumors. I know you were alluding to that earlier. Um, and, yep. you know, to me – he was a guy who just never really found any success this year in the Xfinity Series. He had a, a solid run early. I know um, one of the runs he had, I think he finished second to Harrison Burton. I believe that was yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, early in the year. But other than that, you know, four top five finishes. Never really found a sustained success we expect to see from that 18 car. He hasn't had a top five run since, since Darlington, which now for the Xfinity Series is a long time ago. Um, so considering they ran two races at Richmond, Bristol, Vegas, Talladega, and Charlotte since then, you know, if you want to contend for a championship, you're going to have to do better than that. Never really led a lot of laps, hasn't contended for a win this year. Um, not a surprise that he was knocked out. And Dave Rogers has his hands full, had his hands full there in the Xfinity Series this year, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're moving on from that experiment, um, the Riley Herbst experiment at Joe Gibbs Racing. But, um, yeah, you know, We'll see what goes on. We get to a little bit more of a what I consider normality here with this Xfinity Series, considering they have a lot of mile-and-a-half events. We're going to have two mile-and-a-half events with Kansas and Texas. Then you run the uh, short track at Martinsville for this event as well. All three series do that exact schedule here. We're running down a stretch, so it's going to be very fascinating to see um, what, what goes on there as far as that is concerned. Um, I want to get your take here, Philip on these three events here at Kansas Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks. Your pick to win the Cup Series event and what you think we're going to see here. Then we'll move on to Xfinity and Trucks. What do you think we're going to see here in Cup, and who do you think is going to be strong uh, at Kansas this weekend? 
Well, yeah, we're going to go back to the usual suspects. It's going to the Kevin Harvick versus uh, Denny Hamlin show uh, will will come back. I mean, they battled each other in the earlier race, and uh, Hamlin won one of his races this year. There, um, you know, they they only have yeah they have forty cars. I guess so. I mean, you're. Yeah, I can't have even Chad Fincham. Look at that. Um, but in terms of, I, I think it starts and ends with the four and the eleven. Uh, I'll I'll go with the four, and uh, he'll lock himself in to Phoenix. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though if the eleven wins. I think the the one the one wild card out of that that whole group that's in the playoff is is Clyde. Um, Chevy doesn't have have it compared to the Fords and the Toyotas, but it, he's won there before. He goes and gets that wild card and he goes and wins that deal. Sets it on its lid the same way as Kurt Busch went and won Vegas could change the whole entire trajectory of Texas. You could actually make Texas watchable. It would probably be the most, it would be the most watchable Texas race ever. That wasn't an IRL, the pack race. Cause if, if, if somebody that isn't either Kevin Harvick or, 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 uh, or Denny wins that deal, that really is out of it. That could make something uh, really uh, interesting because Martinsville is definitely going to be awesome no matter what. It'll be cold as balls, but it, it'll it'll be awesome. And but Texas is always is always terrible. But if uh, an outsider outside of the top four goes and wins, that's kind of my hope at this point. I know NASCAR wants Clyde to win this championship, so. Um, it would be good for marketability and diecast sales and all that. But I really feel that either the four or the 11 is going to win this race. And I pick the four. I I completely agree. I think, you know, again, we get back to normality. Harvick sort of pulled the, pulled the Dale Jarrett strategy. We call that at Talladega. It wasn't great at the road course at Charlotte, but he really didn't need to be. He's going to come back. You know, it's a reason why Harvick and Hamlin, Harvick's got nine wins, Hamlin has seven. There's a reason for that this year, and it's because they've performed great on the mile and a half tracks. And I think when we get to these mile and a half tracks in the playoffs, they're going to bring their best bullet. They're going to bring their best cars. They're going to bring the mentality that they're going to have, and they're going to be laser-focused laser here when they get to this, this um, race here at Kansas Speedway. Brad Kozlowski certainly a guy. He's more of a of a short tracker guy right now with how that two cars performed this year. Um, just hasn't performed as great on the mile and a half as the other two guys have. Chase Elliott's going to be interesting to see if he can carry that momentum from the Roval to Kansas to Texas. And you mentioned the other guys. You know, Logano's got two wins. Truex only has one win this year. Uh, Bowman's got a win this year. And Kurt Busch has got a win this year. And it came you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, it really comes down to Harvick and Hamlin and everybody else and see if they can really do something they haven't done on a mile and a half, and so that's really outrun the 11 or 4. Um, so that's to me, is what's going to happen. I, I'll go Hamlin just to make it a little bit different from you, but to me it's a toss-up. You can toss it up. Harvick's been a little bit more consistent this year, 
than the 11. The 11 seem to have some problems creep up, but I think as far as speed goes, they are neck and neck. Um, we'll see if Cunningham can, can just execute as well as uh, Harvick in that four car has this season. Xfinity Series moving on. Fill up again uh, round one, round one of, the, of the round of eight for the Xfinity Series as well. Uh, and then Kansas Lottery 300. Who do you got? Who do you think is going to be fast this weekend for the NASCAR Xfinity Series? Course of 98. I think it's the guy you're going to have to look at. Um, you know, maybe the nine of Gregson, maybe the seven, uh, the 21, the 22, excuse me. Who do you got uh, running well and, and winning the Xfinity Series race at Kansas? I mean, I, I think for considering he had an off week last week at, in his element, uh, Austin Sindrick, I, I kind of feel like there's going to be a response here in this spot, and it's going to be a great battle between the two buddies, the good friends, Austin Sindrick and Chase Briscoe, the two Ford uh, junior drivers here at Kansas you think about this race last year, if it weren't for Garrett Smithley being a piece of crap um, and not listening to a spotter and being completely oblivious to using a mirror, Chase Briscoe would have won this race in the 98 car and would have advanced to the final four. Instead, uh, I think Brockshot Jones won this race and won his first career Xfinity race. And, uh, you know, whatever he does, what Brockshot Jones does. And that, the fact is, there's the two best guys in this series. We, we talk about the, what we talk about, the 4 and 11. Right now, this battle, it, 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 the, it, the beginning of it is the 98 and the 22. I feel like that's where it's going to be. Cindric's going to want to go and come back and show that he's the guy. Um, I feel like Chase is really good at Kansas. Yes, the high line comes in there, which is more in his favor compared to Sindrick. But Sindrick has the better one-and-a-half-mile package generally. You can't give, you can't take Allgaier out. Um, he's scrappy, and he's like four foot eleven. Can't get rid of him. It's going to be a tough battle here, and I think the I, I I'm going to pick. I mean, I'm picking Sindrick against my better judgment, of course, but uh, or against my bias. That's that's the truth. Um, but you can't count out them Gibbs cars. You can't count out the S the the JRM cars. Uh, especially the seven, knowing that they're the only car that's left running for a championship. Uh, they're going to put all their eggs in that one and look for Daniel Hemrick, too, for um, guys who are just competing for owner's championships. Look for Daniel Hemrick, who's been on a nice little uh, momentum run here. Maybe he can go and sneak in and get his first win in the top three series. I think it'll be a very, very popular win. I'm curious to see what Chastain does, too. Uh, one of the guys that uh, is still running around for the championship, he's been close here uh, on these tracks of late, and we'll see if he can pull off a win and get a victory. 
Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go Briscoe. I think those two, the Fords, are going to be the guys to beat this weekend. Uh, maybe the 9 has some speed hit there. We haven't really seen that speed creep up here lately. Maybe the 18 who – or excuse me, the 19 of Brandon Jones, who um, has won the last two races here at Kansas Speedway. So, uh, yeah, he, he can certainly pull off a victory. We'll see if he can do that again here um, moving forward. Truck Series event, Philip as well. Uh, that's again on Saturday for the Truck Series. Um, it's been since, you know, Talladega since they've run, but uh, who do you think is going to be hot there in the Truck Series event? Um, you know, he's still got a – Austin Hill won the last mile-and-a-half track race for them at Las Vegas, uh, but what do you think we're going to see here uh, at Kansas for the Truck Series? I think you're on mute again. Oh, yeah. I feel like uh, – sorry. It's, it's one of those days. Um, I feel like Sheldon Creed. I feel like it's going to be a GMS truck. Uh, you have, you have, um, when it comes to this, this round, I think, uh, yeah, cause you have 10, you have eight, uh, left and you're going down to four and I, you have three, you have three of the, or all four of the GMS trucks. I feel like a GMS truck's going to win this. And to me, the best one of the four, in terms of just being up front when it matters, has been Sheldon Creed. Running the high line, you're going to be able to do that in the daytime. Uh, that kind of fits, that fits Sheldon Creed's style. I think he's the guy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Zane Smith, now that he knows that he has a job next year, he just kind of runs for, you know, he runs balls to the wall and he might go and do it. And Brett, you can never count out Brett Moffitt. But I I wish I could just go and hedge and just say GMS, but I'm going to go and say Sheldon Creed. Well, that is a good bet, GMS, because they've been solid. So is Thor Sport. Thor Sport's been really, really good. I'm curious to see how they perform. You know, this is a, a big, obviously, because we're getting to the playoffs, we're in the playoffs, but this is a big uh, couple of weeks here for the truck series. See who can really pull themselves uh, up in the, in the point standings and, and win a couple of races here. Because really this truck series is wide open. Uh, I think GMS is the team to beat. But you could see anybody co- sort of pulling off a win. We mentioned Austin Hill earlier, the Thor Sport guys, maybe even a KBM truck coming up there. Uh, and, and pulling off a victory if they had to. Um, so there's, it's pretty much wide open. There's a lot of guys out there. Gilliland's still still pretty good. Uh, Tanner Gray's been really pulling pulling it all together here of late. So there's a lot of teams out there who can can be strong, and we haven't seen Nice Motorsports up there, but they could do it too if they had to. So there's certainly a lot of teams up there in the truck series who can pull off a win, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Brett Moffitt. I just think it's he's been knocking on the door so close to win the Truck Series races. He hasn't won one yet here in 2020. I think he's going to get real close and pull off a victory. But triple header weekend, you know, Truck and Xfinity on Saturday, Cup on Sunday. That is what it is at Kansas Speedway. If you like what you heard this week here on Talking in Circles, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. We post stuff. We give our opinion. Uh, be sure to, to, to follow us there on, on Twitter and follow us on Facebook as well. I want to thank Philip Matthews. Good job as always. We'll see you next time here uh, as we break down Kansas in the Triple Header Weekend and NASCAR. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time.